Hey friends, welcome to the City Hope Podcast. My name is Bobby Thompson and I have the privilege of serving as a lead pastor. I pray that today's message would inspire you, it would encourage you, and it would also challenge you in your walk with Christ. Enjoy today's sermon. Thank you for being here with us today. Um, if I haven't got to meet you yet, my name is Bobby, and I'm honored that you're here worshiping with us today. And um, we're going to have a good, good morning. It's already been a great morning. First service was great. And, um, you know, our teams here work really, really hard to make this church feel like your church. And that's our heart. And so um, uh, we want you to experience Jesus. We want you to be challenged. We want you to be changed. And so that's our heart. That's our prayer for you today. We're in week four, the, the final week of a series we've called Fully around, fooling around. And it's been all about relationships. We've been looking at the different aspects of relationships, whether you're uh, married or uh, a parent or not, single, divorced, all the different relationships that you have, relationships with folks, relationship with parents, all, whether you're a student, we're looking at relationships. And really the thrust of this series has been, you know, we have this creator God who designed us and designed relationships in a specific way, in a specific manner. And so our job is to, to, to do our best to strive to live in those lanes that he created for us. And so uh, uh, the, the theme that we've talked about all throughout this series has been when you know the truth about relationships, you won't be easily fooled by knockoffs. When you know the truth, God's design, the way the Creator God wanted relationships to be, you won't be fooled by the knockoffs that all this world has to offer. So today, we're going to jump into some incredible stories. Go to Genesis chapter number 25. Genesis 25, um, very uh, uh, crazy uh, story, um, a little context today. Um, you know... For some of you, you feel like, man, my family's crazy, right? Raise your hand if you, no, I'm just kidding. But, but if your family's crazy, you, you man, you're like, man, my brother, my sister, my cousin, like we're a dysfunctional family. Well, I want you to just rest assured you're going to meet a family today that is way more dysfunctional than yours, all right? So for every good marriage that we read about in the Bible, every good family, there's probably a dozen more crazy uh, uh, nut job families that, that, that God gives us in his word. Um, and so that's one of those families today. It, it's just absolutely crazy. So we're going to dig through that. But um, whether you grew up in church or not, you probably uh, know of Abraham, right? Father Abraham had many sons. I'm trying to get that song stuck in your head. Many sons have. Now, so, so Father Abraham, he was like the spiritual giant, right? He was one of the, one of the guys that everybody knows about, everybody read about uh, uh, people during this time. Like Abraham was the man. Well, Abraham had a son named Isaac, okay? Isaac, uh, for, again, for some of you, remember back in Sunday school, right? Abraham took Isaac, laid him on the altar. He almost killed him, but God said, wait. So Abraham had Isaac. Well, Isaac was married to a lady named Rebekah, okay? Isaac and Rebekah had some children, and that's where the story kind of starts getting a little bit nuts, okay? So we're going to have some fun in this story today. So if you brought your Bible with you, Genesis chapter 25, let's stand to our feet in honor of the reading of God's Word. And uh, we'll, we'll walk through this today and, and see what all we can pull, pull out, okay? Verse, begin reading in verse number 21. Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because he was childless. 
The Lord was receptive to his prayer, and his wife Rebecca conceived. But the children inside struggled with each other. She said, Why is this happening to me? So he went to inquire of the Lord, and the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb. Two peoples will come from you and be separated. One people will be stronger, the other, and the other, and the older will serve the younger. Verse 24. When her time came to give birth, there were indeed twins in her womb. The first one came out red looking, covered with hair like a fur coat. All right. How many of you ever been and you saw a baby that looks like an alien and you had to be like, oh, you're so cute. Right. Like this is one of those moments. Y'all are lying. I know y'all have done that. Like the babies look like aliens. Anyway, like a fur coat, they named him Esau. Verse 26, after this, his brother came out grasping Esau's heel with his hand. Getting weird here. So he named him Jacob. Isaac, bless his heart, was 60 years old when they were born. Verse 27, when the boys grew up, Esau became an expert hunter and outdoorsman. But Jacob was a quiet man who stayed at home. Isaac, the dad, loved Esau because he had a taste for wild game. But Rebekah, the mom, loved Jacob. Verse 29, once when Jacob was cooking stew, Esau came in from the field exhausted. And he said to Jacob, let me eat some of that red stuff because I'm exhausted. This is why his name was also Eden. Jacob replied, first, sell me your birthright. Verse 32, look, said Esau, I'm about to die. So what good is a birthright to me? Jacob said, swear to me first. So he swore to Jacob. He sold his birthright to him. Then Jacob gave him some bread, some lentil stew to Esau. He ate, drank, got up, went away. So Esau despised his birthright. Would you pray with me? Father, I pray for these next few moments that you would reign your presence here um, in this place, but specifically in our hearts. Open up our eyes and our minds and, and our willingness to change in the areas that you know that, that we're holding on to. I pray that we would each leave here with, with open hands, willing to surrender, whatever it is, that we would make room for you in our lives and specifically in our relationships. Identify and help us to see those places that we need you to come in and rework. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So for those of you that have, have been with us for any amount of time, one thing that I, I, I always try to do is I want to um, just pick out some things in these biblical stories that you and I can apply to our life and try to, try to uh, you know, weave these things. And so just for a few minutes, we're going to break down um, and Genesis 25. We'll jump to verse or, or chapter 27 here in a minute. But right here at the beginning, a couple things that I think we can learn. Verse, verse 21, Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was childless. So right off the bat, men, here's our challenge. Isaac prayed for his wife. Men, pray for your lady. Pray for your spouse. Pray with your spouse. It's one of those things that as, as Christians, like we, we do it. And then when we, when we uh, you know, get a little bit older and get a little bit mature and get a little bit more wiser and been a Christian for a little bit longer, it's one of those things that like, yeah, we know we need to do it, but does it really help? Pray for and with your spouse. So verse 22, Rebecca, after she gets prayed for, she conceives and look what it says. But the children inside of her struggled with each other. And then she asked this questions, moms, ladies, why is this happening to me? How many of us have asked that question? Men, women, probably most of us in our lives have asked, why is this thing happening to me? God, what are you doing? But I want you to notice who she went to with that question. 
The Bible says that she went and she inquired of the Lord that question. And I love that. Now, right now we're reading about Rebecca and like, man, she's a godly lady. Just hang on. Okay. Just hang on. Don't judge her yet. All right. But, but I love that when she did have this question, she went to the Lord. She didn't go to her friends. She didn't go to her social media. She didn't go to work. She, she went to the Lord. So be careful who you go to in those times of need. So we see Isaac prayed for his wife. Rebecca went to to the Lord. Look at verse 29. Verse 29. Once when Jacob was home cooking stew, Esau came in from the field exhausted. Esau, the Bible says, was an expert hunter. He was an outdoorsman, right? And just like we read about the fishermen in, in the Bible, they never catch anything, right? They're always empty handed. Esau, he's an expert hunter, but he came in famished. He came in empty handed. He didn't have anything. So he was hungry. He did what he always did, but his state of life was famished. I wonder how many of you are sitting here today. You can relate with Esau because you're doing what you've always done, but the reality is you're hungry. You're not satisfied. You're famished in your spiritual walk. You're famished in your relationships and you're trying to do more and act more and be more and change more. But the reality is you're not satisfied. So Esau came home empty handed. Verse 31, Jacob tried to take advantage of this situation of, of Esau being famished. Jacob replied, first, sell me your birthright. So we could see right away, Jacob was jealous. Esau had something that Jacob really wanted. I want what he has, man. If I could just have his birthright, then man, I'll be satisfied is probably the mindset that Jacob's walking through right here. I was jealous. I just, I want what he has. I'm not content with my life. How many times have we fell in that category? I just want more. But then... We also see from Esau, look at verse 32. Look, said Esau, I'm about to die. <laughs> it's getting a little dramatic here, right? You get so hungry, you, you, you start looking at things in all the wrong places. And when you go around hungry, you start reaching for the easiest things, right? Like literally when you're hungry, what do you do? Man, I just, I just need something to eat. I need to find something. And whether it's good for you or not, when you're really hungry, you start grabbing for the easiest thing. And in our spiritual life and in our relationships that have a specific design, the way that God created them, I think we do the same thing, right? We start grabbing for the first thing that comes. We start grabbing grabbing a hold of the first person or the, oh, oh, I need some attention. So whoever gives me the most attention, whatever it is. So Esau, he's, he's hungry, kind of turns into this drama queen and he starts reaching out for the first thing that comes. I'm going to die. And so just give me the stew. I love what one pastor said. He said, don't give up what you want most for what you want now. Don't give up what you want most for what you want now. And this is exactly what Esau did, he traded his birthright to Jacob for a bowl of stew. He, he gave in to, to his long term for this short term fix. C.S. Lewis is a, a, a very popular author, and, and uh, you, you may have heard of this, um, this saying of his. And as, as I was reading through this, the Lord brought this back to my mind. He says this, if we consider the unblushing promises of reward and the staggering nature of the rewards promised in the Gospels, we would see that our Lord finds our desire not too strong, but too weak. 
We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. We are like ignorant children who want to continue making mud pies in a slum because we cannot imagine what is meant by the offering of a vacation at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. I wonder how many of us See ourselves in this season of life as am I settling for things now, but it's going to affect the long term. Esau, he made a terrible decision in this weak state of mind, in this season of life. And, and he, he sells his birthright. And then Jacob got something that wasn't supposed to be his, but he thought it was going to make him happy. He thought it was going to bring him contentment. But oh, no, let's keep going in the story. Look at chapter number 27. Flip over to 27. Look at these first four verses here. When Isaac was old. Now remember, Isaac's the father, okay? When Isaac was old and his eyes were so weak that he could not see, he called his older son Esau and said to him, my son. And he answered him, here I am. He said, look, I'm old and I don't know the day of my death. So now take your hunger, hunting gear, your quiver and your bow, go out to the field to hunt some game for me. Then make me a delicious meal that I love and bring it to me so that I can bless you before I die. Now, this is one of those things that if you have kids, you can probably relate to this, right? Uh, uh, Esau has been patiently waiting for his father's blessing. He's been patiently waiting to become the man of the house. All right, Esau, you know, it's almost time for me to go. I don't know when I'm going to die. I can't hardly see. I can't hardly hear. And so here's what we're going to do. Here's the promise of your future. All this that I have, I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to bless you. And, and, and you can just imagine Esau was probably counting down the seconds, right? Counting down the time until he received this promise from his father. And, and when I think about that, I, I stop and I wonder, well, what, what am I counting down the seconds to? What am I waiting for to happen in my life? Like there's some practical things, right? Some of you are probably thinking, man, I can't wait for spring break or I can't wait for summer. Some of you are probably thinking, man, I can't wait for this dude to shut up so I can go take a nap. Like whatever it is, whatever it is, like maybe you're waiting for the birth of a child or, or, or graduation or, or, or a marriage or, you know, a wedding uh, or maybe it's just lunch. I don't know what you're waiting for today. But, but what are you counting down for? Esau was counting down the time until he was getting ready to, to see his father's promise fulfilled to him. And in the moments of, of counting down to his blessing, Moses here in, here in uh, uh, Genesis, he kind of reveals to us this conspiracy by, uh, uh, that was hatched by his mother, Rebecca. Okay, remember Rebecca? We, we thought she was a good person, but watch what happens. Isaac's wife, the mother of Jacob and Esau, she hatches this plan. And she says, all right, I just overheard Isaac, your dad, and your brother Esau talking. So Jacob, here's what I want you to do, all right? I want you to go kill something. I want you to dress up because remember, your brother's furry and hairy and he's gross and he smells bad. I want you to go act like your brother. And I want you to dress up and I want you to go into your dad and I want you to get your dad's blessing. I want you to steal the blessing that's supposed to be for your brother. Now remember, Isaac's eyesight is failing or it's already failed. Look at verse 18. So when he came to his father, this is Jacob. When he came to his father, he said, my father. 
And he answered, Here I am. Who are you, my son? And Jacob replied to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Please sit up and eat some of my games so that you may bless me. Now, what happens next is incredible in this story. Three times, three times, Isaac asks Jacob, are you really Esau? Are you really my firstborn? I need you to tell me, are you really the guy that I think you are? And three different times, Esau deceives and lies to his father. And Jacob, is, he's just after this blessing that's not even meant to be his. Jacob is after this blessing that's not meant to be his. And I wonder how many of us are tempted to do this in relationships. We're after relationships that are not meant to be ours. We have people in our lives. We, we, we go after things that, that we shouldn't because we're tempted. Are we trying to get God's blessing on something that's not meant to be? Do we have people in our lives? Yeah, it's okay, man. It's okay. Just be happy. Just do what you want. Are we going after things that are not meant to be in our lives? So, man, this, this dysfunctional family, it's, it's going nuts, right? We got the son, the, the youngest son dressed up with fur, and he smells, and his mom's cooking food so they can steal the blessing. But then the story goes on and gets even more crazy. Look at verse 26 here in, in chapter 27. Then the father said to him, Please come closer and kiss me, my son. So he came closer and he kissed him. When Isaac smelled his clothes, he blessed him and said, Ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of a field that the Lord blessed. Right? Dads, how, like the smell of the field is what you want for your son to smell like. Okay? May God give to you from the dew of the sky and the richness of the land an abundance of grain and new wine. Verse 29, may people serve you and nations bow in homage to you. Be master over your relatives. May your mother's sons bow in homage to you. Those who curse you will be cursed. Those who bless you will be best. As soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, here it gets crazy, Jacob left the presence of his father Isaac. His brother Esau arrived in from hunting. He had also made some delicious food, brought it to his father. He said, Father, let my father get up, eat some of my son's game so that you may bless me. And just like that. Jacob's heist of the blessing was successful. Isaac was fooled and, and Esau becomes the first victim of identity theft. Okay. Esau was like, what is going on? And so I want to stop here and I want to ask you this question today. And, and this is one of the questions that's tough because you got to dig deep. Right? And this is one of those questions that, that only you can answer. N not your spouse, not your parents, not your friends, not any, not any relationship. Only you can answer. So my question to use this today, are you pretending to be someone you are not? This is one of the easiest stories to look at. Jacob was literally pretending to be his brother, Esau. But in your life and in my life, we may not be trying to take someone's name. We may not be trying to steal someone's identity. But, but are we with this group, with this group over here at work, I'm this person. And then this, when, when I get around my home, I'm this person. And when I get around these people, I'm more like this. And when I get around over here, and we're pretending to be something that we are not. 
And even though it looks like it worked, Jacob pretending to be someone and and, and stealing this blessing, this isn't God's design. This isn't the creator God's way for him. And I want you to think about this. When we pretend to be something that we're not, not only does it affect us, not only does it steal our blessing, but it steals the blessing of the people around us, the people that we love, the people that we're closest to. We're settling. We're choosing to settle for not God's design. We're choosing to settle for relationships in a way that God did not make them for you and I. He was fooled by what he thought he needed. Think about that. He was fooled by what he thought he needed. I think you and I can get so caught up in this. We can get so caught up in success and we strive after uh, stuff and, and security and we, we just keep striving. I, I want status and we, we get it and we get more and we get more. And then what do we always need? We always need more. It's never enough. I need some more of this. And somewhere along the way, we, we lose ourselves and we start acting in ways and pretending to be something that we're not. Luke said it best in his gospel, what good is it for a man to gain the whole world and lose their very self? We pretend that we need, we pretend that we want, and, 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 and honestly, who I am over here, it, it starts running together with who I am with these people and who I am with these, and it gets so heavy, there's so many me's, right? There's a me over here, there's a me, the future me, who I want to be, the present me, who I am, the past me, that's what, and there gets to be so many me's, and we forget who, who we are, and we're pretending, and I want you to hear this today, God cannot bless who you pretend to be. God cannot bless who you pretend to be. Some of you may be sitting here today like, man, how can I, how can I know? How can I know that I'm pretending? Like I get what you're saying and, and, and man, I see this whole thing with Jacob and Isaac and Esau and Rebecca, the mom, like they're crazy, but how can I know? I want to give you two quick, really, really, really practical signs that you can know if you're pretending. Number one is this, your spirit, excuse me, your secular priorities outweigh your spiritual priorities. Your secular priorities outweigh your spiritual priorities. The prophet Isaiah said this, Their land is full of worthless idols. They worship or adore the work of their hands and what their fingers have made. When secular priorities become higher than my spiritual priorities, I start looking at the stuff that I did, the stuff that I made, the, 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 the wealth that I created, the family that I created, and it's more about me than it is about him. What idols do you have in your life that you have placed before God? That's a question that only you can answer. What idols have I put in front of God? And this week I was, as I was preparing and I was just listening to the Lord and and God gave me this question and I want to share this with you today. If you don't hear anything else, write this question down. Does your life function around God or does God have to function around your life? Does your life, everything that you do, every relationship, every work environment, every fun environment, everything you do, is God in the center of it and everything works off of him? Or is it the other way around? Your life is in the center and God just gets a little piece over here as as does this, as does this, as does this. 
Does your life function around God or does God have to function around your life? Your secular priorities outweigh your spiritual priorities. Is God someone you adore? Is God someone that you intensely love? Is he someone that you're crazy about and that everything else in your life seems like rubbish compared to him? I think we're old enough, mature enough, wise enough, and, and, and many of us have been around long enough that often we, we know that the things in life that you adore the most is what you spend time with. It's what you think about. It's what you talk about. The things that you love the most, you spend the most time with. So your secular priorities outweigh your spiritual priorities. Another way that we can tell if we're pretending, number two, is you're always hungry. You're always hungry. Now, some of you in here are like, oh, dang, I'm in trouble. All right? Not that kind of hunger. Not that kind of hunger. Because I'm starving right now. I'm going to be honest with you. <laughs> but I want you to see what God says about his people. Back to the prophet Isaiah again in chapter 65. He says, look, my servants will eat, but you will be hungry. My servants will eat. What he's saying is the people who love me and put me first, the people that, that their life function around me, they will be satisfied. But for those who don't, you're going to be hungry. What, what happened in Esau? Esau went and did what he always did. He went and lived his life like he always did. He went out and he hunted, but he came home hungry. And if you find yourself constantly hungry, then, then you're, you're taking your hunger and, and, and you're, you're always thirsty for more. You're never satisfied. You need, you know, friends and TV and books and social media and you need all this stuff and you're, you're constantly looking for fulfillment. Then, then you will be fooled. If you find yourself today always hungry, then maybe that's a sign that you're pretending and you're living in some relationships in ways that God did not design for you to live. The wise philosopher Blaise Pascal, he said, there is a God-shaped hole in the heart of each man which cannot be satisfied by any created thing, but only by God the Creator. We can look in our lives and, and look in the mirror and ask ourselves that question, am I always hungry? Do I, do I feel satisfied in my walk with Christ because there's a hole in every one of us in all of our hearts and the only thing that's going to bring true satisfaction is Jesus. So Jacob, Jacob was constantly hungry. He was constantly looking for more, right? He, he, he wanted to steal Esau's birthright as a young man. And then as they got older, he wanted to steal Esau's blessing. And he thought, man, if I could just have what Esau has, if I could just get all this, then I will be satisfied. And then I'll be able to, I'll be able to do And if I could just get more blessings. Well, let me tell you the rest of this crazy story, okay? So Jacob, after he steals his brother's blessing and, his, and he finds out... Um, his deception led him away from home. He had to flee away from his house. But as he fled away, he met this beautiful young lady named Rachel, and he fell in love with Rachel. Just a beautiful love story. And he goes to Rachel's dad, and he's like, listen, Rachel's dad, I need to marry your daughter. I'll do anything. 
And Rachel's dad, he's a very smart dad. And guys, we ought to try this. He said, if you work for me for seven years, I'll give you my daughter. All right. All right. Guys, how many of you would be willing to work for your wife? For, don't answer that. Don't, no, no, no. All right. He was fooled into thinking again. If I could just get Rachel, if I could just have her as my wife, then man, I'll be satisfied. Everything will be good. So he makes a deal. He said, I'll work for you for seven years. I'll, I'll do whatever it takes. Well, then here, here it goes. Seven years. He works for him. He's like, all right, Rachel's dad. I'm here. I'm ready. I've been working for you for seven years. And then the Bible gets so weird. And the Bible says that he didn't give him Rachel, but he had another daughter named Leah. And he's like, here you go. Here's Leah. And he's like, whoa, I want Rachel. I don't want, I don't want Leah. Well, it's too late. You got Rachel. I mean, you got Leah. All right. So she's your wife. So now this guy that, that he, he's looking for all these ways to be satisfied. Now he finds himself in this marriage that he didn't even want. He worked for seven years that he didn't even really want to do. But then the dad comes back and he's like, all right, listen, seriously this time, seriously this time, work for me for seven more years and you can have Rachel. He's like, all right, all right, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll work for seven more years. So he works for seven more years. He gets to marry Rachel. But I want you to think back with me. Because of his scheme to, feel, to, to, to steal his father's blessing, it made him flee into a marriage that he did not want to be in, working for 14 years in a place that he did not want. Because of that one decision, because he thought he needed something more than God designed for him. You see how that you see how that trickled down into just bad decision, bad decision, bad decision, because all because this hole that he had inside of him, he was trying to fill up with with birthrights and blessings and, and relationships that, that were not there because of God's design. As we close today, some of you are like, dang, Bobby, this is such an encouraging story. Thanks for sharing that, man. Glad I'm going to go home for this. But. But there really is some good news about this story. You keep reading, some good things happen. But one of the things that's always fascinated me in, in the Bible is the names of our God. The Bible, the Bible calls God, there's so many names. You could go through the whole alphabet. He's the, he's the Alpha and he's, he's the Omega. He's the beginning. He, I mean, you could just go through. He's Adonai. He's Jehovah Jireh. He's all these things. But, but many, many, many times in the Bible, there's a name that God is referred to as. There's this title that, that God gets when, when, when people were describing who God is. And one of those names is this. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Think about that with me. One of the names that, that millions of people have identified our God with is he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Like, like the, the crazy, deceiving, impatient, foolish Jacob, he gets to be in the title of who God is. Like, like even Matthew in the Gospels, when he's talking about, he was teaching about marriage and he called God by this name, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. 
And, and, and here's, the, here's the main point to this whole story. Like, I, I know that for some of us, man, we can see ourselves in some of these positions, man. Like, right now, some of you are like, man, I feel like Jacob. I'm pretending to be something that I'm not. I've got some stuff that I'm hiding. I've got some things that I need to bring before. Some of you are like Esau, and you're famished, and you're struggling, and you're like, man, I keep doing the same things, but I'm coming up unsatisfied. And I know you can see yourself in the story, but, but this story's not about you. What we need to see here, what we get to see this, this picture is that no matter what you've done, no matter how fast you went, no matter how unwise you've been, I believe that God's desire is for you to know how much he loves you. That's the moral to this story. Because I believe with all of my heart that God wants to have a relationship with every one of us, even when we feel like we're the Jacob in the story. Whether you're married, you're single, you're divorced, you're separated, you're widowed, whatever it is, whatever it is. We all know that none of us is perfect. We all know that we make mistakes. We all know that we struggle with, with something that the Bible calls sin. And so often we read stories like, Jacob and Esau and Isaac and Rebecca, and we, we find ourselves in these stories, this, these relatable moments. But we always have to come back. We always have to come back and say, you know what? I may see myself as Esau right now, but I don't have to stay that way. Maybe in this season of life, you find yourself pretending, you find yourself in, in, in this unwise situation. I believe that God has good news for you. If God's title can be Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, then guess what? That's good news for me and you. It's really good news for me and you. Because when I agree that, yes, God, I'm pretending, yes, God, I'm sinning, when I agree with him that there's sin in my heart and I repent and I turn back to him, the Bible says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It doesn't say might be it doesn't say, well, if your sin isn't too big. It doesn't say how long Jacob and Esau were in this season of life and maybe you find yourself in a really long season of pretending. The Bible says everyone who calls on the name will be saved. So before we go today, I wanna to give you a chance to call on God's name and receive a relationship that will last for eternity. This is something that we do one time this is something that we stand before God on our judgment day and he's going to ask, did you make this decision or did you not? And if you're ready, we're going to pray together right now. I'm just going to ask you to bow your heads, close your eyes all across this room. The number one most important decision you'll ever make is beginning a relationship with Jesus. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth and you believe with your heart, then you will be saved. And so today, if you want to start a relationship with Christ, you've never given your life to Jesus, right there in your seat, just repeat this prayer after me. There's nothing magical about this prayer. This is just a conversation between you and your creator, God. Dear Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. I have done many things that displease you. I've lived my life for myself. Today, I ask you to forgive me. I'm sorry. I repent. And I give my life to you. I believe that you, Jesus, died for me. 
I believe that you were buried and rose again three days later. You did for me what I could not do for myself. I come to you now and ask you to take control of my life. I give it to you. Help me to live every day in a way that pleases you. I thank you, God, that I will spend an eternity in heaven with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen to me today, church. We're gonna walk out of here in just a few minutes, but if you prayed that prayer with me today, it's the number one most important decision you will ever make in your life. But I know for some of you in here today, you've prayed that prayer and you have that relationship with Christ and you've got that part nailed down. But maybe you're here today and you're famished like Esau. You're famished, you're hungry, you're walking around just trying to fill your life with stuff that's not bringing you ultimate contentment and satisfaction. Maybe you're here today and you're pretending like Jacob. Jacob was pretending to be his brother because there was something that he thought he needed. That wasn't God's design. That wasn't the creator's way. Only Christ can bring you back to wholeness, to true wholeness. In this whole series called Fooling Around, and maybe today you find yourself and the reality is you're fooling around with fakes and forgeries. All these relationships that this world has to offer, you're fooling around and, and God's calling you to say, hey, I want you to get back to the original design that I created you for. Let's get back to that design. As we close out this series today, I want to leave you with one last thought. And I think this thought can, can apply to every single relationship that we have, every sin that we have, every struggle that we may have. And it's a very simple phrase. Christ is enough. Christ is enough. And Jacob thought he needed more. Jacob thought he needed more, so it led him to do things that he was never designed to do. Is Christ enough for you in your walk, in your relationships? One more time, I'm going to ask you just to bow your heads and close your eyes. Here in a minute, Brad's going to sing. And the team's going to lead us in worship. And this is just a time for you to respond. If you need somebody to talk to, we got some prayer team in the back. I'll be up here in the front. You just say, man, I've been pretending. I need to repent. I need to get on my face before God. Whatever it is, walk out of here today with the, with the mantra, Christ is enough for me. Jesus, we're so incredibly thankful for crazy dysfunctional families that we can read about, that we can learn about. God, I pray that today each of us would whether we relate to this story or not, that we would know that the end of the story, the moral of the story is that you are enough. Lord, I pray that that would be true in our week this week. That would be true in our families. That would be true in our workplace and our finances and in in every single thing a part of our lives that you would be enough. Lord, I pray that if there's some that are here just fooling around with fakes and forgeries, God, you would put us back on your path to have great, solid, biblical, godly relationships. We love you, Jesus. It's your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand to our feet as we sing out. Just take a minute, spend some time with the Lord, be obedient to him. 
Thanks again for tuning in with us today. We would love to connect with you, and the best way to do that is through social media or go straight to our website. God bless you and have a wonderful day.